Well, good morning, church. Good, mor- good morning down the front there. Good morning to everybody here in the house, to everyone who is out. I just walked through. The overflow is jam-packed out there. To everybody out in the overflow and to everyone watching online, Pastor Darian read me a list of all the countries in the world that are connecting online with us, and I can't even remember them all, but it's everything from Brazil to Tanzania. We welcome everyone. Let's give them a great big gateway welcome. The people that are joining online, so welcome to you. We are on the second last episode of our current message series, which is called Blessed. Next week, we're doing the last part, and we're going to look at the final blessing, the greatest blessing that God has in store for us, the blessing of heaven. We're going to have a look at the blessings that God has for us after this life next week. But this week, we're looking at how God blesses us in this life, and this week is called the blessing of providence. Not Providence USA, but God's providence, the blessing of God's providence. And we're going to be having a look at this. And, you know, this is a, I realized as I was preparing this message that I have never taught a complete message on the topic of God's providence. I've mentioned it lots of times, but I've never, I've never taught a whole message on it. And I looked around for books, and there's not even that many books on the subject. I ended up reading one that was written in 1678 by, uh, by Flavel, James Flavel. And, you know, when you read an old book like that, people were actually educated in those days and had a wide vocabulary. And it's quite difficult to read these things at times. I, I, I listen to the audio book and read the old book at the same time. I mean, if you're used to reading Calvin's Institutes, you would be fine with it. If you're used to reading Calvin and Hobbes, you might struggle a little bit with the, the big words. So, it's not many books about it, not many sermons about it, because it's quite a difficult subject to cover. But we're going to do our best. We're going to start here with a very famous and well-known verse of Scripture. It is from the book of Jeremiah. And it says this, this is God speaking to Jeremiah. He sa- God says, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Well, that just knocks dead every argument about when a human life starts, doesn't it? Maybe it doesn't start till birth. Maybe it doesn't start till seven. Before you were in your mother's womb, God knew you. The moment that conception took place, he breathed your spirit into your body. Before you were in your mother's womb, before I formed your body in your mother's womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as a prophet to the nations. God had a plan for Jeremiah's life. God even planned out what Jeremiah's career would be. (laughs) 
before he was in his mother's womb. How can God do all of that? This is something that is called the providence of God. It is the way God invisibly and often unnoticingly by us is shaping circumstances and pushing things in a particular direction so that his plans will come to pass in this world and in our lives and even we won't be able to mess it up. Even we won't be able to mess it up because if we could, that would mean that we had more power than God does. But you see, the Bible tells us that God opens a door that no man can close and he closes a door that no man can open. If God's closed a door, if there's something that you're wanting to do in life and God's closed that door, just give up battering it with the battering ram. If God has closed a door, no man can, can open it. And if God has opened a door, an opportunity for you in life, nobody, I don't care how evil they are, how much they hate you, they can't do anything to shut it. And so because God in his providence can weave together all the circumstances of life to bring about his desired end. Now the reason I wanted to talk about this today was because a number of weeks ago, I noticed a quotation on social media and I noticed it quite a lot of times. Quite a number of people posted it. And um, so it got my attention. It was a quote by Lisa Bevere. And this is what she says. She says, if you think that you have blown God's plan for your life, rest in this. You, my beautiful friend, are not that powerful. Because even when we sin, even when we're dumb, even when we make stupid decisions, even when we go astray, if God has a plan, he also has the power to bring that plan to pass. If God tells the Israelites he's going to lead them from Egypt to the promised land, they will get into the promised land. They might be stupid and rebel against God and wander around the same mountain for 40 years, but God's plan will come to pass. And so this is a really important quote, a really powerful quote. And this is really about God's providence, that God in his providence can make things happen even when we in our ignorance might be going the wrong way. And so, let me give you a definition of the word providence. Let's put this up first of all. Here's a definition of the word providence. That the, pro the providence of God is the foreseeing, seeing in advance, seeing things before they happen, seeing things before you see them, the foreseeing care and guidance of God over the creatures of this earth. God omnisciently, it's a big word, omni just means everything. Science means knowledge. Omniscience means all knowledge. God in all of his knowledge 
directing the universe and the affairs of mankind with wise benevolence, wisdom that blesses us. And so God is at work. You see, very often we misunderstand this as Christians, especially Western Christians. Sometimes we think this way. I know I do, and I have to get myself out of it a lot. Sometimes we think that God created the universe and got it all going kind of the way a clockmaker might make a clock and wind it up and then put it on the table and stand by and watch it tick. And then the clockmaker doesn't need to interfere in any way, he just lets it tick. Unless something goes wrong and then he might interfere and fix it and then stand back. And very often we think of God like that. We think that he created this universe and it is kind of like a giant clock with planets rotating around stars like cogs and wheels and all of that kind of stuff. And we kind of think that God created it all and then kind of just stands back. And God doesn't really interfere much. It's the laws of nature that just do everything. And God might interfere if we pray hard enough and ask him to do something he might, but that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible doesn't teach that God wound up the universe and it ticks on in its own. The Bible teaches that every tick of the universe is because of God's presence ticking it along. And so what, what we need to understand, I, I want you to imagine that I had a big giant fan here, and that fan was blowing air up the way. And then I had a little feather, and I put this feather here, and the feather just kind of hung about in the wind of the fan right here. That feather has no power in itself to stay suspended in the air. If I was to switch the fan off for one second, the feather would fall. It is the and, and, and switching the fan on one time and getting the feather in the air and then switching the fan off doesn't work. The fan has to be constantly blowing air to keep the feather there. If God, God is like that fan, if God was to withdraw his presence from this universe for one second, the whole thing would crumble and fall. The only reason the sun rises every morning is not just because of the laws of nature that God originally created, but because God in his, his presence fills all things and keeps it all operating. This is, so before we get into providence, I need to tell you, you're going to get a lot of theology today. I need to tell you something else. It's what theologians call common grace, and that is that God's grace, it's God's grace that keeps everything going. It's God's grace that keeps everybody alive. Even the atheist who is cursing God only has the energy to do so because the God he is cursing is giving him life. If God was to withdraw that life force for a second, the atheist would drop dead. So everything is being upheld by God's life and God's power. Let me just show, I, I, listen, your hair grows. What causes your hair to grow? Well, you could talk about it scientifically, and you could say, well, it's proteins that are put together inside your hair follicles and blah, 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 right? It's God that makes your hair grow, your nails grow, 
<laughs> the grass grow. It is the life of God that gives life to all things. Look at this. Let's look at common grace. Look at this verse here. Next, next slide. Look, chapter 12. Not one sparrow is forgotten by God. Indeed, the very hairs of your head are numbered. That's easier for some people than it is for others. Don't be afraid. You're worth more than many sparrows. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They've got no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. See every time, maybe you've got a tree in your backyard and it grows berries in the winter and little birds come and they sit on the back branch and they eat that, those berries. You could look at that same thing from two perspectives. From just a natural perspective, well, a seed was planted in that soil and the conditions were right and it grew and it became a tree and then it produced berries and these birds were hungry, but they've got something in their eyes that sees red from a distance and it flew to the red berries and they sat there and they ate the berries and that's how it all came to pass. But according to Jesus, God is feeding those little birds with those little berries God in his providence planned all out so that exactly when those little birds would need those berries, those berries would be there for those birds. It says it's God that feeds them. Consider the ravens. They don't reap or sow. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. How much more valuable are you than birds? And then he goes on and says this in the next slide. He says, consider how the wild flowers grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field. You see, it doesn't just say God set up the laws of nature thousands of years ago and then stood back and watched it. It's saying every time a flower appears, the providential presence of God is clothing that piece of grass or stem with a flower. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? This is God, His common grace, His grace that is available to everyone, believer and unbeliever alike, righteous and unrighteous. Look at this next one. Next verse, I think it might be Matthew. Yeah, Matthew 5. Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven, for he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good, and he sends rain on both the just and the unjust alike. You see, everything that happens in creation is not just the laws of nature with God sitting a million miles away observing it. God's presence is causing everything, even in human history. Look at this one, a book of Acts. From one man, God created all the nations throughout the whole earth. He decided beforehand 
when they should rise and fall. He determined their boundaries. His purpose was that the nations, for the nations to seek after God and perhaps feel their way towards Him and find Him, though He is not far from any of us, because He's all around us, He's involved in everything. Do you see even the course of human history is determined by God, the rising of nations and the falling of nations? Now, as nations rise and nations fall, God is superintending the whole thing. If people, if people do evil things, we are responsible for our own evil deeds. God isn't responsible for that. We do that. But God is superintending the whole of creation. This is called common grace. And once you get that, once you understand that, that God's presence is kind of organizing everything invisibly behind the scenes, then it's easy to see how God's presence can be at work in your life organizing everything. I want to give you a couple of examples. One is, there's a phrase that uh, Christians use a lot, divine appointments. You know that one? Oh, I mean, like, I was driving home, and, and I, I wasn't planning on going to the supermarket, but then my wife called me on the cell phone and said, will you stop at Safeway and pick such and such a thing up? So I drove into a Safeway that I don't normally go to, and at the checkout, I was speaking to this woman, and a, con and, and a conversation arose, and I was the right person to help her, or she was the right person to help me, or it, it was amazing how we bumped into each other. It just, it was a divine appointment, we call it. That's God's providence at work, His, divi His divine guidance over all things. I just, uh, a couple of days ago, I posted a video on my Facebook page. You should watch it if you haven't already. And it's the testimony of a man from Africa. It's from the country of Ghana. And this man it was a Muslim. And he wasn't in his home city. He tells the story. He said, I live in such and such a city, but I got a train to this city to visit my brother. And then afterwards, I was going back to the train station, but got delayed on my way to the train station and missed my train home. Just an inconvenience. Just one of these bad luck things. No, it's not. It's the providence of God. So he says, so here I was, I'm at this train station. Oh, by the way, two years previously, this man, this Muslim man, whose name was Muhammad, had got some disease that had damaged both his ears, and he had been deaf for two years. So deaf that if you stood behind him and said his name, he wouldn't hear you. You'd have to tap him on the shoulder. Totally deaf for two years. Had been getting medical help, no help. So, oh no, I've missed my train. My wife is waiting for me in another city. I don't know what I'm going to do. And then he noticed that in the city center, there was this huge crowd. And he thought, I'll, I'll, 
I think I'll go and see what, ha what went on there. And he goes wandering, and it's a Christian evangelistic event that's taken place there. And he arrives at the edge of the crowd just as the preacher shouts, deaf ears open in Jesus' name. And that man, boom, is instantly and miraculously healed, makes his way to the platform, gives his life to Jesus, says, I now realize Jesus is God. I must go home and tell my wife, we must now become Christians. Jesus has healed me. An amazing testimony. Why did that man get healed? Why did he get saved? Because he missed his train. Why did he miss his train? Because God in his providence delayed that man so that he would miss that train, so that he would wander there, so that this deaf man would get into the service just as the deafness was rebuked, and he would not only be healed, but would be saved. Sometimes we are frustrated about getting caught in traffic, but God actually arranged it to save your life from a bad accident three blocks away. We'll never know all these things until we get to heaven. That's God's providence at work in our life. I want to show you God's providence in the events of life. It's from Psalm 139. We've actually looked at this psalm a few times during this series, but just have a look at this. It's amazing. It says, O Lord, you have examined my heart and know everything about me. Know everything about me. Omniscience, all knowledge. You know when I sit down or when I stand up, you know when I'm clicking on things on the computer that I shouldn't be, and if the pastor called my name right now, I'd be embarrassed. Hello? God sees it all. Church, God sees it all. You know my thoughts, even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I miss my train and I can't get back to my wife and I wander down and I get saved. You see it all when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say even before I said it. There have, I've got this little thing, I call it, I've seen this episode before. That's what I call it to myself. Sometimes, you know, I've had experiences in life where God has shown me something in a vision as I'm praying or in a dream as I'm sleeping. And then maybe weeks or months later and I'm in a situation and I suddenly think, this is the vision. I'm just going to, I've seen this episode before. <laughs> I'm just going to sit back and watch it play out right now. That's what it must be like for God all the time. He must be saying to the angels, this is a good one. I've seen this. I actually wrote the script. I've seen this episode before. You should watch it. Look, you know what I'm going to say before I say it, Lord? You go before me. You go behind me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It's too great for me to understand. Then he goes on. Let's read on. I can never escape from your spirit. You know, 
My wife, Christine, she's working today. She's not here, but she has got a great story when she shares her testimony. It's a bit like Jonah. Remember God called Jonah to go to Nineveh, and he jumped in a boat to Spain instead? Well, before my wife got saved, she, was, she heard the gospel. She was under the conviction of the Holy Spirit, and she wanted to get away from God, so she jumped in a plane to Spain, as if you can get away from God in Spain. God was in Spain. She got saved in Spain. She came home. She went to Spain, a non-Christian, and she came back. A you can't get away from him, even in Spain. Incidentally, I heard last night about some friends of mine in Europe who are moving to Spain to plant a gateway ecclesia that they will be connected with us. I'll tell you more about that another week. Anyway, if I go, if I go up to heaven, you're there. If I go down to the grave, you're there. If I ride on the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the furthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me, the providence of God, and your strength will support me. Now look at the next verse. This is the exciting one. Look at this. Just like, just like he said to Jeremiah, you saw me before I was born. Look at this. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. If you really believed that, you would stop worrying about stuff, wouldn't you? If you really believed that every day of your life is already recorded in God's book, including all the days that have not yet come to pass, maybe you would give up that anxiety. Maybe you would stop worrying about tomorrow. Maybe you wouldn't be hiding in your basement from a virus that has a 99.6% survival rate, for heaven's sake. I doubt very much that in God's book it says, the majority of the people in Gateway shall die of COVID-19 in 2021. I doubt very much it says that in the book. Stop worrying, start living, and put your faith in God. Can you say amen, church? Look, every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single one had passed. It's almost like God is watching you living your life, and you're feeling sorry for yourself, and you're worried, and you're grumbling, and he's like, if only you knew what was in the next chapter. I know, because I wrote it. If only you knew what was in the next chapter, you would shut that complaining mouth up and you would give me praise because I am your guy. Yeah, but it's not good. I feel like I'm going through the valley of the shadow of death, but he is with me. His word and his spirit comfort me. He will lead me out of that and prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. God is guiding your life. How precious are your thoughts about me, O God? They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of the sand. And when I wake up, you're still with me. It's not like you can go to sleep one night and you wake up and God's abandoned you the next day. God's 
loving guidance is on your life even when you can't see it. And even some of the things that you're complaining about as bad things are things that God in His providence has allowed to protect your life from what could happen if He didn't put a barrier and a stop sign there to stop you going any further. Your life is governed by the providence of God. And do you know that your salvation was also accomplished by the providence of God? Let's look at at Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8 tells us about how God was the one who planned our salvation, who executed our salvation, who imparted to us our salvation. Remember, I said you could look at your life from two different perspectives, and both of them would be true. You could look at your life and say, well, I I mean, I could look at my life and I could say, well, I was born in Lima, Peru because my Scottish parents moved there for a number of years because my dad was given a contract with a company. And, uh, and then we moved back to the UK, and I grew up there, and then at some point I, uh, I left school, and I went to catering college, and I became a chef, and I was a chef for a few years, and then I left that job, and I studied theology for a few years, and then I came up, became a pastor, and then I moved to Canada. It's all based on things that I did. Or I can take a step back, and I can look at my life, and I can think, oh my goodness, God is the one who has been provid. When I was a little kid in Peru, when I was a little toddler, I pulled out my mother's hand, and I ran across the road, and a taxi hit me, threw me up in the air as I bumped in the ground. It then bumped with both tires, boom, 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 over my head. My skull, my brains were on the road. My parents rushed me to the hospital. The hospital wouldn't treat me until my dad left the hospital, went back home, got the insurance documents, came back again, and proved to the hospital in Peru that we had insurance. I should have died. Totally. I should have at least had brain damage, you know? I mean, some of you may be thinking, that explains things now. I get it, right? But... That was just one, I can name four times in my childhood, I should have died. Not to mention all the junk and chemicals and stuff I took as a teenager that should have killed me as well. I should have died numerous times, but God had his hand upon my life because he had a plan for me. God knew that I would be in Canada before I ever knew it, before I was even born before I knew God. And so look what it says here. It says, the same thing is with your salvation. I could tell you the story of my salvation, and it could be all about this. Oh, well, I was going through a hard time, and and I met this guy, and he shared the gospel with me, and I thought about it, and eventually, yeah, I think I want to become a Christian. And so I put my faith in Jesus, and I became a Christian. Or I could tell you the way it really happened. I was trying to get away from God as fast as I possibly could. This guy's telling me about Jesus. I don't want Jesus in my life. I want to be in charge of my life. 
If I become a Christian, I'm going to have to stop doing all the stuff that I thought was fun. I am going to try to get away from God as fast as I can. Everywhere I went, God was there. Everywhere I went, the circumstances were arranged so that I could not get away from Him. Look at this. We know that God works all things Everything is woven together, good things, bad things, decisions you've made, decisions other people have made. God works all things together for the good of those who love God. If you love God, shout amen. Amen. Well, God is actually at work right now. See the stuff you're complaining about? God's actually weaving all that together to protect you from some disaster that you don't even know about. Okay, he works all things together for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. And those who he justified, he also glorified. Theologians call this the golden chain of salvation. One link leads to another. Away at the beginning, God foreknew. He foreknew you. He foreknew you. He then, those whom he foreknew, he predestined you. So that later on in life, when you came along, he arranged the situation so that you would hear the gospel and he would call you to salvation. And those that he called to salvation, he saved, he justified. And those who have been foreknown, who have been predestined, who have been called to salvation, who have been justified, will absolutely, certainly make it to heaven and be glorified. God planned everything out for you to be saved Because if he didn't and he left it to you, you would run in the opposite direction, and so would I. If our salvation was in our hands, we would blow it big time. Isn't it good that it's in the hands of God? You're the little feather. You don't have to hold yourself up. God's grace is holding you up. He had the power to save you. He's got the power to keep you. And he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion in the day of Jesus Christ. Now, the Bible doesn't say, so you better understand all of this. Because Psalm 139 said, Lord, it's too wonderful for me. I cannot understand it. And for hundreds of years, Christians have been debating how to understand these verses. Maybe, maybe God knew in advance who would believe and who wouldn't believe. And then he predestined the ones that would believe. And then somebody else says, but if he did it on that basis then he did it in the basis of their good works and not of his grace and blood, and they go on and on. I'm going to tell you something. 
just, just do this. See when you're reading the Bible and you come across something that tells you to make a decision, tells you to choose this day whom you will serve, well, make a choice. If it tells you to repent, then repent. If it tells you to do something, then do it. At the same time, if you're reading something else in the Bible and it actually says, I know we told you to do it and you did it, but really you only did it because God gave you the grace to do it. Well, believe that too. So let's just take this at its face, face value. God knew me before I was ever born. He predated, my name was written down in the Lamb's book of life before the foundation of the world. Now, from my human perspective, I'm living my life. I am sinning. I am rebelling against God. I am responsible for that and accountable to that. I hear the gospel. I come under the conviction of the Holy Spirit. I'm trying to wrestle with it and push it away. And eventually I give in like C.S. Lewis. You know, C.S. Lewis was an atheist. And eventually at his desk, one day he said, all right, God, I give in. <laughs> and God came in and changed his life. And I'm changed. I'm seeing it all from my perspective. But actually, behind the scenes, God had been working all things together for my good to bring that about. Look, Christians argue about there's Christians who call themselves Calvinists and Christians who call themselves Arminians, and they debate this all the time. I'm going to tell you the easiest way I've ever heard it. I want you to imagine this. Imagine you are walking down the road along with crowds of people. The only reason you're walking down this road is because everybody's walking down this road. You don't even know where the road goes. It actually goes to a cliff that falls off into a pit, but you don't know that. And, it, and then you see there's a doorway there with some writing on it, and some people stop at the doorway and they read it, but they just keep going on. Other people stop at the doorway and read it and open the door and go in. And so you're wandering down here, why are we walking down this road? Just because everybody's doing it? What's this doorway? And you go over to the doorway and you read the sign, and it says, salvation forgiveness of sins, the gift of eternal life, and peace with God, a free gift through Jesus Christ offered to everyone who repents and believes. And you read that and you think, I think I'm going to do this. I think I might do this. And then you see, oh, by the way, there's a little note down there, warning. Keep warning. Keep walking down that road and you'll fall into a cliff. Okay. This sounds better than that. I think I'm going to do it. I, I'm going to do it. And you make a decision. You think about it. You're challenged by it. You make a decision. It's your own free will decision. So you believe. You make the decision and you think, I'm going to do it. And you open the door. And you walk through and you shut the door behind you. And all these people are here. You're in the kingdom of God now. And then you notice there's a notice on the back of the door, and it says this, your name was written in the Lamb's book of life before the foundation of the world. You are one of God's chosen. He called you by your 
name, the Bible says. On this side of the door, from a human perspective, you heard the gospel, you thought about it, you made a decision, you opened the door and you walked in. But from the heavenly perspective, you realize you were doing what you were predestined to do before the foundation of the world. Let's read on. The next part of the slide says this. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? If God is at work in your life, do, working all things for your good and for his glory, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with us, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one, because there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Um, no one, Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Next slide. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or lockdowns or vaccines or masks or governments or newspapers or the media or famine or nakedness or danger or the sword? Will anything separate us from God's love? No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything in all of creation will ever be able able to separate you from the love of God, which is yours through Jesus Christ, who died for you because he had already foreknew you. He predestined you. He, you know, before the foundation of the world, God said in the 21st century, in the year 2021, there's going to be a Muslim man in Ghana called Muhammad. I am going to make sure he misses his train so that he wanders down there, gets healed and gets saved. Because before the foundation of the world, I wrote Muhammad from Ghana's name down in the Lamb's book of life. And when Jesus died on the cross, one of the people he was dying for was Muhammad in Ghana. And Muhammad didn't know anything about it until God arranged the circumstances that led to his miraculous healing and miraculous salvation and life transformation. And that's what God did for you too. We're going to pray in a moment, but I just want to show you these two verses, Isaiah and Revelation. And here's what it says. Put up, I make known the end from the beginning, from ancient times, what is still to come. 
I see my purpose will stand and I will do all that I please. Our revelations, God says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the A and the Z, the beginning and the end. I am the one who who is and was and forever will be the Almighty One. Let's finish with a quote we started with, the Lisa Bevere quote. If you think you have blown God's plan for your life, rest in this, that you, my beautiful friend, are not that powerful. Something might have taken you by surprise, but it didn't take God by surprise. He knew about it long ago and has a plan to make everything work out for your good and for His glory. I want to just show you an image before we pray. This image is a computer-generated image of the Bible, of every promise and prophecy of the Bible and where it was fulfilled. Promises, prophecies, fulfillment. There it is. Hundreds and hundreds of years that covers. Hundreds of years where God promised and prophesied things and when they were fulfilled. Not only can we look at the Bible like that, but we could look at your life like that. And if your life could be laid out like that, you would see that everything that happened, the good, the bad, and the ugly, was all woven together by God to produce a well-rounded, complete, and full life, which you will then present back to Him when you see Him face to face. So let's stand together. We're going to pray together, and we're going to pray a blessing on ourselves. It's the blessing that Aaron, the, the Levitical priests, would speak on the people. But instead of me speaking it, may the Lord bless you and keep you, we're going to say it together. May the Lord bless us and keep us. We are actually asking for God's providence, God's guidance, God's supervision to be in our lives from this day forward, onwards, and in the lives of our children and their children. So let's lift our hands up to the heavens and let's say this blessing together, church. Are we ready? Let's say it together. May the Lord bless us and keep us. May the Lord make His face to shine upon us and be gracious to us. May the Lord lift up His countenance upon us and give us peace. May His blessing be upon us and our children to a thousand generations. Everyone shouted, Amen. Give Him praise. Come on. (laughs) 